The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I love to hear the stories of how people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And my friend Will Graham, uh, Will is an evangelist, and uh, Will Graham is a, a dear friend. And he talks about he was down in Texas, and they were going to preach an evangelistic crusade. And there was a, a man by the side of the road uh, begging for money, a panhandler. And they were near the venue, and so Will and his friend pulled over and they invited the panhandler to come with them to the crusade. And they asked the man, what's his name? He said, my name's Freebird. And that was taken from a Leonard Skinner song, right, Freebird, yeah. you know. Right. And uh, anyway, it was a youth crusade full of teenagers. And this man was old and rugged and haggard. And, uh, you know, the years had taken their toll. Um, and on the ride to the event, you know, the guy said some some bad things about the church and Christians or this or that. But anyway, they just tried to be nice to him, and they took him, took him with them to the crusade. Well, of all things, the Spirit of God began to move, and the man came forward and just gloriously opened his heart to Jesus and was saved and later baptized. And he told Will, he said, they call me Freebird, but I've never really felt free until mm. tonight. Amen. Freedom in Jesus. And so we welcome you to Exploring the Word, and we want to talk about the one who sets people free. And we want you to know him and to make sure that you really do understand who he is and have him in your life, and that's Jesus. And so we're going to talk about, on this edition of Exploring the Word, making sure that you've got it right, Amen. You know, getting it right when it comes to Jesus. Alex, there's some things that are very important to get right. I cannot think of anything more important than getting right with God, and that right means in Christ. And so we're going to have the whole program and, you know, the Bible says that a man examine himself, that's to, if he's in the faith. Uh, so what, what we're doing, those of you that are believers, uh, and I, I'm not trying to get folks doubting their salvation, I'm not doing that, but this is a time to do a checkup. Uh, and, and that's what this program will be about, making sure that, you know, you have Christ in your heart. And when I say that, I hear people say, well, I didn't use those words when I prayed. God looks on the heart. I just want you to remember that. God yes. looks deeper than your words. And the words do not fool God, whether they're not gracious enough or whether uh, too plain. God looks upon the heart. So today I pray that you would have an experience of grace in your life of looking back and making sure that Jesus is your Lord. And if he's not, during this program, man, I'm praying that there'd be some people that would get right with God and be saved, Alex. And uh, there's nothing more. This is going to be a pre-recorded or is a pre-recorded program. So you would have to call in at a later date afterwards. But if you are if you're getting saved, and I'm just anticipating that, Alex, that there's some people going to get right with God and get saved, we want to hear from you. Let us know at word at AFR.net and say, man, on this day when this was program was being played, Jesus Christ became Lord of my life. Alex, I want to pray for that before we go any further. Is that okay? Absolutely. Do it, Bert. 
Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Alex and I have, of just sharing your word. We want to do it in truth. And the truth is that Jesus alone is the way of salvation. If it were up to us, there would be no way to get it. There'd be no way to keep it. Uh, There'd be no way to have it. But it's yours. It's thy salvation. And you have given it unto us. And, Father, I pray that every person who is listening, they would understand it is through Christ and Christ alone that they would surrender their lives to him as they turn away from their sin and their life and say, God, I'm ready to be yours. You paid the price. I've been bought with that price, and I surrender my life to you for the rest of my life, not just now, not just through the good times, but through thick and thin, through everything that comes my way. Father, I am yours. I give you my life as I repent of my sin. I pray that there would be people that would pray that and receive Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alex, lead us through this study, brother. Well, you you know, it's interesting. And and the topic is, you know, making sure that you, quote, get it right when it comes to Jesus. You know, Bert, I I saw this show on on science and history, and um, there were a group of scholars that were assigned to tackle the biggest questions in life. And there, there was prize money from some foundation for the best answers. And there were, there were six or seven questions, one of which, what is time? And what is consciousness? And how did life begin? And, you know, wh- how much can we accomplish in the, the natural world? And, you know, what does the future hold? They said, these are the biggest, most important questions. You know, what is matter and what is the future? No, you know what? I want to say this, the Mount Everest of questions. Really, the biggest question of all questions is found in Mark 8, verse 29, where Jesus questioned Peter. And folks, we would appeal to you and beg that you ponder this question bigger than any of the questions that's being kicked around in the science world now and prize money. Let me tell you, you get this question right, you're going to get the biggest prize of all, which is eternity. Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? Bert, I would say that question trumps all the others. <laughs> that is the biggest question. And we would beg of you to, to answer it correctly, to ponder it deeply. Who do you say that I am? Now, l- let me throw out a name that we quote a lot, Vance Havner. You know, Vance Havner was preaching, it's Jesus who can save. Christ alone is the Savior. They said, you you know, you're being dogmatic. Vance Havner, in his very famous book, Pepper and Salt, he said, quote, I want a dogmatic preacher who preaches from a dogmatic Bible. When I go to the pharmacist to get a prescription filled, I want the pharmacist to be dogmatic. I do not want a doctor who says, your ailment might be this or that. We'll try these pills, and if they don't kill you, we'll try something else. Vance Havner said, I believe in being dogmatic. Amen. <laughs> and when it comes to your eternal soul and where you're going to spend forever, um, make sure that you've got the real, the true, the one, the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Alex, since I hear, heard that story, I remember a story. I've used this before. Uh, Dr. Frank Pollard, he was president 
of uh, Golden Gate Seminary about on the Golden Gate when it was Golden Gate, and he was pastor of the First Baptist Church, Jackson, Mississippi, and just a great preacher, great man of God. And he was on this talk show, a local talk show, and they were discussing family matters, you know, how to get along with the family, and they had him there, and they had a psychologist there that had been trained all in the secular world. And uh, they was asking the questions about getting along in the family. And uh, the psychologist went first, and she began to share all that she knew. I'm not saying it was bad, and it wasn't that. But then it was Dr. Pollard's time, and Dr. Pollard started out with saying, the Bible says. Sounds like Billy Graham, doesn't it? The Bible says. And that psychologist came unglued and says, why in the world would you go to an ancient book? And he simply turned to her and said, where are you going to get your information that is over 6,000 years old, you know, wow, and been proven? And that's the whole answer. You out there that think, well, uh, this group of people says this, this group of people says that there's never been one like the Bible that gives you your origin, your purpose, and your destiny. And all the others, Alex, they come short. There's no world religion, no no scientific uh, uh, angle that you can go. That's the superiority of Christianity, which comes because of the superiority of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Well, it has stood the test of time. I've heard people say, you know, uh, of philosophies and ideas, if it's new, it isn't true. If it's true, it isn't new. And... Uh, you know, you're right. It has stood the test of time, and it always will. And listen, if Jesus was the Son of God, then he still is the Son of God. You know, it, ultimate truth doesn't have an expiration date. And it's always been, you know, a puzzlement to me, Bert, how people would, um, and I've had this happen too. They'll, you said the Bible says, and they'll say, you know, that ancient book from antiquity. And I'm like, yeah, but the age of something says nothing about the truth or falsity of it. Merely because the Bible has been around for 2,000 years, um, that doesn't mean it's true or false. It just means it's been around a long time. But but you're right. Uh, Science, the postulates of science are always changing and being revised. Philosophy, psychological ideas, just all of the the ideas of man about how to improve life, they come and they go, Jesus is the name that stands throughout time and eternity. Amen. And so we're insistent and, and we're very passionate that, that people get Jesus right, get it right. That might sound narrow, but the path of salvation is narrow. You know, we've said this on the program, and then I'm, I want to go over some some things that are wrong some ideas about Jesus that people have gotten wrong, but we've said it on the program. Look, there's 10,000 different ways to go to hell. There's one way to go to heaven. There's no plan B for heaven. It's nope. only one plan. Alex, is that what you're telling? Exactly. And, exactly. and we go to, you know, if you go buy a car and you're talking to somebody and they say, well, I can't do it that way. And they say, we got another plan. If you can't do it, those two, they got a third or fourth or fifth plan. When it comes to your salvation, there is no other way. Jesus is the way. I don't know much about English, but I know a definite article, Alex. The yes, uh, it's not a way, is it? It's the way. Exactly, it's the way, and that's why from that Mark chapter eight passage that I was reading, where uh, Jesus had healed a man, 
And in verse 27 of Mark chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples went out to the town of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. Verse 29, But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Amen. Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. And see, that's the answer. And when you stand before God one day, it's not going to be, um, well, what did your parents do with the gospel? Or what did your best friend or the preacher that you didn't like because you thought he was boring or crooked or whatever? Bert, isn't isn't it worth noting that ultimately what we believe about Jesus, what we do with Jesus... Um, what Jesus does with us, it all ultimately boils down to God and you, a personal thing. That's why we can say um, that it is a narrow path. It is one door because nobody is ever going to stand before God and, um, you know, it's going to be about somebody else Mm -hmm. or something else. It's about the Savior and you. It is narrow and it is personal. And Peter got it right. Notice this. It's right in the middle middle of the book of Mark, Mark 16 chapters. Before Mark 8 and this event at Caesarea Philippi, we find Jesus doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's when he asked, like you said, he had just got through healing a man. And who do men say that I am? And that's kind of what I call the circumference. But then he does it every time. He comes to the very center or the epicenter of the answer, of the question, who do you say that I am? Have you noticed how he personalizes that? And he yes. is personalizing yes. it today in your life. Who do you say that I am? Yeah, we're talking to those that are driving the car, the truck, whatever you're doing. Who do you say Christ is? Get this right. Stay tuned and hear more so how you'll know how. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. talking about Jesus and getting it right on Jesus. And, uh, yeah, I want to talk about some of the heresies that over the years uh, had infected the church and infected people. And, you know, Isaiah 5610, uh, the Bible speaks of false prophets as, quote, dumb dogs that cannot bark, you know, Isaiah 5610. And, uh, it's interesting, D.L. Moody, he said, if a dog comes through town barking for Jesus, I'm going to support that dog. Well, you know, we, we don't want to bark at anybody, but we do want to proclaim Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And um, some of the false prophets who didn't have a message to proclaim, um, it, it, I'm going to talk about these because early in the life of the church, Bird, it was very interesting to me how the church, um, there wasn't the internet, there weren't commentaries, there weren't libraries and study Bibles yet. And early on, they seem to understand the the identity of Jesus and how to defend it. Um, some of the some of the false teachings 
Marcionism. Uh, Marcion lived 85 to 160, and he was the son of a Christian bishop and a teacher in Rome. Uh, And yet, growing up in an Orthodox Christian household, really began to get it wrong on Jesus. Marcion said that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were two different gods. And and we hear that to this day. I mean, I've got kids, college students, that write into Exploring the Word, and they'll say, my professor in college says that God in the Old Testament was a warlike, militant deity, and the Jesus of the New Testament, who's gentle and loving, they're two different gods. And Bert, this really goes all the way back to the first century, Marcion, who was a false teacher, the son of a preacher. Isn't that isn't it? That is. what, what, when people reach that conclusion, that, of course, they're deluded in some manner, but they, they fail to see the, the Old Testament and the love that he was showing by bringing you know, Jesus through Abraham's seed and protecting that seed. And I think they ignore Jesus. Yes, he was peace, yes. But at the same time, he's the same one that cleansed the temple with righteous indignation. And uh, so, you know, I think there's, they're just missing the, the dots that do connect, Alex, when, they do, when, when Marcion did this and others that would teach this. Well, a- another way to get Jesus wrong was uh, what's called docetism. Now, it's interesting, in, in the Roman Empire, as the, as the gospel was spreading in the first uh, three centuries, you know, there, there was throughout the ancient world different types of paganism, and there was a Greek philosophy called docetism. And it comes from a word that means to seem or to appear. Okay, the docetist, and that's spelled D-O-C-E, T-I-S-M, docetism, said Jesus only appeared to be human. See, they didn't believe that God could come into this world. And so there there was this person, Jesus, but he really wasn't human. But the, the biblical understanding of Jesus, we recognize his full deity, of course, but we also recognize his perfect humanity. Now, there was a, a man named Ignatius, and he was an Orthodox Christian, and, and he lived 50 to 117. And Ignatius uh, was really one, you know, it seems like people have their areas of specialization. Ignatius, you can thank him for defending orthodoxy against docetism. And, you know, uh, as far as we know, guess who led Ignatius to Christ? I have no idea. John. I was wondering. I I thought after I said I have no idea, I started remembering my church history, and I think I do remember that, yes. And and so isn't this something, of course, you know, oh my goodness, it's, it's just some of the most majestic language in all of the the Bible and in all of history, in the beginning was the Word, mm. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I think it's very interesting. If history is correct, and it was John who led Ignatius to Christ, and Ignatius refuted docetism, <laughs> isn't it interesting that Ignatius, who would be such a champion of orthodoxy regarding the identity of Jesus, uh, I can believe it, having Amen. having come under the tutelage of John, could yes, you? Yes, you could. One fourteen, and that word became flesh. Uh, didn't appear as flesh, but became flesh. Philippians 2, he emptied himself, 
I mean, Alex, uh, praise the Lord for Ignatius. Praise the Lord for the Word of God, that if you take the Word of God, you can see that as well. Well, yeah, another heresy. And, folks, again, the point of this, we want to make sure that we get it right on Jesus. Um, there was a man that lived a couple of hundred years after the birth of Christ, and he was in Alexandria, Egypt, and his name was Arius. And, you know, Egypt has been, you know, frankly, I think throughout history, I mean, demonic activity. Um, and there, there's a lot of false teaching that had come out of, out of Egypt. But one, the, the followers of Arius um, said that Jesus, um, yeah, he was in some way a son of God or the son of God, but he was a created being. And you know what they would say? They would chant, there was a time when Christ was not. But, but no, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, he was the son of God, but he is God the son. And so orthodoxy would say, no, there never was a time when Jesus didn't exist. Jesus is eternal. And when, when Jesus came into the world uh, and was born in Bethlehem, uh, that wasn't the starting point of Jesus, was it? It was not. And matter of fact, uh, we've recently done a program concerning Melchizedek in the pre-incarnate times. And you said you counted 23 times in the Old Testament that Jesus appears, uh, mm-hmm. and yes. that's that's before Bethlehem. And would, was was Arianism? Would it be a form of Gnosticism? You know, the order. In other words, the you know God the Father, and then you make levels, and Jesus would be a lower level. Would would sure? Could you connect sure. those, or is it completely different, Alex? Yeah, and and you know we're always on dangerous ground when we have an attitude like this. The mindset. Well, I know the Bible says this, but here's what I think. Oh, man. Uh, we're on dangerous ground. Do you know there, there's much of the Bible that we understand, and there's much that we really don't and kind of maybe struggle. But listen, we, we are to believe what God says. You know, when I was at Liberty, um, one of the campus pastors who was just a dear man, uh, Rob Jackson was his name, and he said this, and I think it's brilliant. He said, look, we've got to trust that God knows who he is. <laughs> Amen. We've got to trust God's own self-understanding. And God has revealed himself as being eternal, uh, forever, uncreated. Jesus, the, the Son of God. You know, it's, it's important, folks. I know we're kind of going deep here, but this is really important. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. All right. Only begotten really means that Jesus, it's monogenesis of the same nature, same origin. The Father and the Son have the same nature. Now, you know, we were talking about in the Old Testament, Jesus appeared to 23 people and even one donkey. I'll give you the list. The eternal Son of God came onto the stage of human history. And, um, you know, in the Old Testament, we've got Jesus appearing to Adam and Eve, Cain, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Hagar, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, uh, Joshua, Gideon, Manoah, and his wife, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Zechariah, and yes, also to Balaam, 
and his donkey. <laughs> so God appeared to 23 people plus a donkey, maybe some others. And I would but, say this about the donkey he saw him first. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, some of the Gnostic teachings and G-N-O-S-I-S, Gnosis, knowledge, means that people, they, they relied on their own ideas mm-hmm. rather than God's revelation. And when you see the sun, that has position, not birth order. Uh, you know, right? That's hard for us because when we see sun, that means we're the from from some. But in this, the Son of God, Jesus, taken that is also referred to as the Son of Man. It has the idea uh, of this uh, at the right hand and his position not the order of birth of not being uh, not being equal with God not being the time frame of God in the beginning and so a lot of the framework you have to understand uh what what words convey words are limited in how much it convey truth and we try to do that here we try to convey truth through words and sometimes our language uh, is a hindrance to the complete understanding of who Jesus Christ is, Alex. And that word, yeah. as you said, begotten son, unique son, uh, it is a word that uh, just hasn't translated good into the English language. Well, exactly. And uh, so there, there's a lot of ways to get it wrong about Jesus. And uh, I want to go over a couple of more, and then I want to talk about why it's imperative to get it right on Jesus Jesus. Um, around 220, there was a there was a guy named Sabellius, and we don't know all that much about him. And in fact, um, you know, whatever he did write doesn't really survive. But Sabellius denied the Trinity, and two two heresies that we need to expose: Sabellius and Nestorius, both of whom, uh, or both of which, really played into not only the development of Islam but the development of other non-Christian uh, sects like uh, the Watchtower and Jehovah's Witnesses. But Sibelius denied the Trinity, and he's, he kind of set forth something that came to be known as modalism. Modalism. He sa- says Jesus and the Father are the same, not distinct. Uh, they're just modes of, of the same person. Um, God could put on the, the hat of Father and and appear that way or jesus now it's interesting while god is in the form of jesus the father and the spirit didn't exist said sibelius very very kind of weird and while it's it's maybe tough to understand the incarnation how the perfect god could come and be perfect god perfect humanity all in one person i'll tell you it's hard to understand the trinity one eternal nature uh, three distinct persons. You know, I'll grant this is deep waters, but, you know, we're talking about the eternal almighty God here. And Sibelius basically said God is one actor who wears three different costumes. Well, three how different. could they appear at the same time at Jesus' baptism? Thank you. Th- yes, yes. And and on the Mount of Transfiguration, right. you know. And so... Um, you know, here's the the Spirit of God on Jesus like a dove, and there's Jesus himself, God in person. And then there's the voice of the heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
hear him. You know, so you're right. I'm, I'm glad you bring that out. There are plenty of examples in the scripture of the, the Trinity in, in full and glorious display. Um, you know, all the way up to like the fifth century, there was a man named uh, Nestorius. And he said that Jesus was two separate persons. Uh, there was a divine Jesus and a human Jesus. But there's this thing called the hypostatic union. And I mean, I don't want to get us too off track here, but read Philippians 2 and, and read how there was this one person, but united, perfectly, seamlessly united, not divided, uh, but two natures in one person, fully divine as if there were no humanity, fully human as if there were no divinity, and yet one person in whom were united two natures. Now, that's never been repeated, never could be, because there's only one Jesus, and he is the Son of God, but God the Son. And Bert, I would say it was this uh, union of deity and humanity that made it possible for him to go to the cross and to atone for our sins to be our savior. You are exactly right, Alex. And and I, I can hear people say, I cannot get my mind around that. Let me, yeah, I just me want neither. to tell you, I can't either. But in place of that driving you away from what you can't understand, let it drive you to he who understands you. And he does understand our weaknesses. Uh, as Vance Havner would say, he knows we're nothing but dirt. <laughs> yes. and, and, you know, he knows our being. And, uh, yeah, we have questions that we can. I mean, people ask us questions all the time, uh, every week, you know. And Alex, there's some of them that we scratch our heads and said, that's one of those that one of these days when we get to heaven, either we'll know the answer, he'll give us the answer, or it's not important, one or the other. And don't yes. let your questions concerning these difficult, deep, deep issues that we're talking about keep you from Christ. Uh, when you start talking to others, you'll find out they come up weak. They come up far short of what uh, the truth of it is. Yes, the Trinity beyond uh, our complete understanding, the incarnation beyond our imagination, but yet God did it, and that's who he is. He is God. What was that uh, pastor there at Liberty that you said uh, God is? is... Uh, uh, Rob Jackson. And and uh, I, Rob, if by some miracle you hear this program, I'm indebted to you, but Rob Jackson said, we've got to trust that God knows who he is. And he does, and he knows who you are, and he knows your need, and he's ready to meet your deepest need of having a relationship with him when you come to him by faith. We're going to come back in just a moment, and we'll look at five reasons you must get it right. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. God 
Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert are here. So glad to be with you. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about that we are to confess Jesus as Lord. And somebody asked a theologian, John Webster, one time, you know, what does it mean to confess Christ? And he said to confess is to cry out in acknowledgement of the sheer gratuity of what the gospel declares and to cry out in gratitude, very simply, to confess Christ is to indicate the glory of Christ Jesus. Mm. And you know what? Gratuity means God has shown his grace to us. Gratitude is that we receive it appreciatively. And so we want you to know Christ and to confess Christ. And uh, Bert, let's go over some reasons that it's just imperative that people get it right when it comes to Christ. Let's do that. And and again, as I said in the beginning, we want you to listen carefully to this and and just check. Do Like you go to the medical doctor for a checkup, uh, today we're going to have a spiritual checkup to look and see and, and have it down pat. Yes, Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Alex, lead us through these five things, brother. Well, first of all, your, your conclusion about Jesus should be in accord with the Bible. You, you don't want to land on a position that's unbiblical or even anti-biblical. And, you know, I was thinking about this in John 10, uh, 22 through 26. Uh, there was a festival of dedication, and Jesus, you know, had been in and around the temple courts. And, you know, they were watching. The Jews and the religious leaders were watching. Verse 24 of John 10, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said, I did tell you, but you did not believe. Isn't that something? The Bible has told us who Jesus is. And look, he's not a guru and he's not a mystic and he's not a, a shaman or some you know, alien. Jesus is the Son of God who came into the world, died on the cross. Our guilt was put on him on Calvary's cross. And the Bible clearly paints him as the eternal Son of God, the one and only Savior, not a Savior, the Savior. You know, I love how Jude talks about the faith, the faith once delivered. And so in John 5.39, Jesus said, search the scriptures for they testify of me. Bert, I just think it's, it's absolutely vital that we believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Yeah, and if you don't believe the Bible, what are you going to believe? I, they, people, today, people are selling their souls to, to science and others. But you remember when there was a Pluto, the ninth planet, and then there wasn't, and then there is. And th- that is an example of, of man's science because science is limited in what it can know. And so search the scriptures. They are proven. They're the proven fact that the Word of God, and Alex, uh, agree with it. Agree with the Scriptures. Follow the Scriptures. You will not go wrong. Well, amen. Secondly, uh, our conclusions about Jesus should not contradict Jesus' own presentation of himself. Okay, I went in a major bookstore, Bert, uh, two nights ago. I I love bookstores, by the way, and... uh, you know, uh, I go in this bookstore and there was a, a whole aisle of Christian books, Bibles and books on Christianity. And I went down there. But, you know, my heart kind of sank because mingled in with the good books. I mean, there's David Jeremiah, there's Billy Graham, you know, all these good books. But there was just horrible 
filthy heresy, too, of uh, philosophies and cults. And I just nearly wept right there amongst all these books that were some good books, um, were books on even things like witchcraft and occultism. And I, I just prayed. I said, Lord, please don't let these this mixture of truth and error mislead people. And there, I've seen books on Jesus is an Indian guru and this and that and the other. But look, remember when Jesus uh, appeared to the woman at the well and she said, we know when the Messiah comes, he will teach us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak unto thee am he. See, Jesus presented himself as the son of God. Um, read, you know, John chapter eight, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And Jesus said in John eight and John 10, I and the father are one. Right. And John eight twenty four, and he presented himself as the promised Messiah. And he said, John eight twenty four, if you do not believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. So our conclusions about Jesus should not contradict Jesus's own uh, disclosure of himself, which was that he is the one and only, only Son of God. You know, we're guilty, uh, man, when I say we, I'm putting myself in mankind order. We want to make God in our image rather than making man in God's image. We want to make our own image of God what we want him to be. Have you heard people say the God that I know would do or would not do that? Well, oh, what, yeah. What God do you know? Uh, Amen. Amen. That's the whole idea. And go to Jesus. Yes. Uh, They were the apostles. They they struggled. And and they said, we would see the father. And Jesus said, do you not understand that once you have seen me, you have seen the father? So if you want to know the father's heart, look at Jesus, study Jesus and and draw your conclusions from the Bible. People say, well, I need a good teacher. I understand wanting a good teacher, but if you're saved, Alex, I want to share this. You've got the best teacher in a world available. We're not talking about on radio or television or books. We're talking about within you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to all truth. Let the Spirit of God guide you. I'm not saying there's not good to have a man or a teacher to come alongside you and help you. I I think that speeds up, but the Holy Spirit will lead you to truth. Now, if if you come to an untruth, it's another spirit, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, and I've said this on the program before, but um, many, many years ago, kind of when she was at the height of her popularity, I was watching Oprah Winfrey one time, and uh, she said, the God I believe in would never send somebody to hell. And I thought, well, make sure the God you believe in is, in fact, the real God. Like you said, because... Um, what what we would humbly say is the God we believe in will do what his word says. You know, because Psalm 138, verse 2, Psalm 138, 2, my word have I exalted above my name. Friend, let me say this. The, the true and living God will absolutely do what his word Amen. says. Amen. And And so that's why we have to cut ourselves free from public opinion or the, the, the tide or the mood of culture right now at the moment. Right now, the culture is very relativistic. Anything goes, you have your truth, I have my truth. Friend, hitch your wagon to the eternal God who says, 
I will do what my word says. And the word of God promises you turn to Jesus, you can be saved, you reject Christ, and you'll be lost. And so we would say, you know, our perspective on Jesus should be in accord with the Bible. Our conclusions about Jesus should be in harmony with Jesus' own proclamations about himself. But thirdly, this is why it's important to get it right, our eternal destiny is determined by what we do with Jesus. Now, before we go any further, let's talk about eternal or eternity. Uh, eternal, you know, that infinity, little sign, infinity. Yeah. It's like the, the numbers. eight laying on its side. Yeah. The, uh, you know, those that listen to this program know I'm, I'm a grandfather, and I, I talk about my grandsons. The, the other day, Caleb, uh, one of my, our youngest son's oldest son, said, what's the highest number in the world? And the answer is, <laughs> it, there isn't one. There isn't one. It keeps on. It is eternal. And, and I know that boggles my, he said, what? It, it, you mean you have more than a million? And we went through all that and said, there's always one more. And so eternal destiny. Alex, we're talking about forever and ever. And when I hear that, I, eternal destiny, I cannot help but think of the rich man who went and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, that torment is still taking place today. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about 2,000 years, close to 2,000 years later, that torment is still there. You say, that is, I can't comprehend that. Well, I I just know that's eternity. Alex, don't, don't let anybody miss this destiny of eternity and it being with Christ. Don't miss out on that. You know, a lot of churches will have in their statement of faith, and, and it's good. Um, you know, we believe this, we believe that. And, and regarding eternity, um, doctrinal statements or a statement of faith will say, we believe in the everlasting conscious blessedness of the saved and the everlasting conscious punishment of the lost. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot to chew on, it but is. think about and, and we're talking about our soul. And so our destiny is determined by what we do with Christ. And, you know, what a blessing it is to be saved and then live the remainder of our life down here in fellowship with Christ. Bert, I love First uh, John chapter 2, where it says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, the turning away of wrath, That's what propitiation means, the turning away of wrath for our sins, and not ours only, but also those of the whole world. So our destiny and our life down here is absolutely 1,000% determined by what we do with Christ. What will you do with Christ today? And that is the question. People say, uh, what is that? And, And Pilate may have asked one of the most important questions in all the world when he stood before that crowd and said, what would you do with this one called the Christ? Mm. And uh, what will you do with him today? I pray you will trust him if you never have. Well, it's also important to get it right, number four, because our life here on earth is immeasurably shaped, impacted by what we think about Jesus. Uh, And, you know, obviously there's to be born again, to be saved, right? But you know what, Bert? You and I both are in the people business. I mean, if you're in the ministry, <laughs> your your days are spent immersed with the lives of people. Yeah, I heard this, that pastor, 
pastoring would be so much easier if it wasn't for people. <laughs> well, but, but that's impossible. That's an impossibility. Yeah. Pastoring has the idea of of personalities coming together, doesn't it? Well, it does. And and let me just say this: um, we've met happy people and unhappy people, and people that are contented and people that are struggling. And it hey, it's all good just to 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 love people and to love the Lord. But I've found this out, Bert, and. You know, I'm, I've been around a lot of older people, and and I know some older people that uh, don't have a lot of material goods, and yet they're happy and contented. And I know some older people that have amassed a lot of wealth, and they're afraid and they're apprehensive. What you do with Jesus shapes so much of who you are. Tell me what you think about Jesus and what is your relationship with Jesus, and I will know a lot about your future. Alex, nothing could be more true. Jesus is the centerpiece. Get that, folks. He is the epicenter. And Jesus in your life, it's like ripples. Jesus in the center, it it, it affects everything you think about people, how you see people, their worth. Uh, it, it does affect that. It affects everything in your life. Come to Christ. It's immeasurable that he'll have an impact on your life that is beyond measure. Well, you know, the word peace, and, and we all want peace, and, you know, seminars and speakers promote inner peace, right? Well, the, the idea of peace is stability. And when you've got Jesus, you really can have peace. Stability in your convictions and beliefs, to know what you believe. That's one of the one of the perks of being a Christian is peace in the middle. Peace in the middle of the storm, isn't it? Yeah. I I don't know if you picture it this way. When they were having that storm and Jesus was resting in the boat, they went down there and they got him and he came up. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he said, peace, be still. I want to just tell you my I don't know. I'm going to find out when I get to heaven. That's one of my questions. I believe there was peace around the boat. Now, I got a feeling the storm was still raging way over there and over there. But right in the middle, there was this peace, Alex. Now, think about that. Isn't that life? I mean, life is a series of storms. It's like waves coming upon you. And and yet, have you ever heard difficulties usually come in threes? I don't. Yes. I, I, I've kept up with it, and that's not far from true. It's not a exactly truism, but it's true. And you can have peace right in the middle of that by your by you knowing who Jesus is, receiving who he is, and letting him be Lord of your life. He changes everything. Well, and stability in, in your emotions and your feelings. And isn't it nice to be liberated from the whims uh, <laughs> of emotion? Stable in decision-making in our our future as, as the, you know, hey, like it or not, the future is is rushing towards us every moment mm-hmm. of every day. Get to the fifth one because we've got about a minute and a half left, Alex, so we're going to have to rush to get number five. Well, we want you to get it right um, because our decision about Jesus shapes his decision about us. Oh, man. Isn't that something? Yes. And so, you know, um, there, there's a lot we could say. I was getting my old truck inspected the other day, and we had to do a lot of work on it. And the man held the book up, and he said, listen, I know this is costly, but I've got the same book the inspector uses, and I want to help you make it and pass the inspection. 
Hey, when we're talking about Jesus and his word, God lovingly has made it possible to know how to be ready for the inspection. He loves you. And because he first loved us, we can love him. Come to him today. Surrender your life unto him if you never have. If you have, serve him with all your heart. Alex, thank you for sharing this with us today, brother. Well, we just pray everybody listening to this show and listening to Exploring the Word, you would know Christ and you would make him known.